0: Welcome to the Mindful Life Podcast. Join me, your host, Marianne Eve, Mental Health Social Worker and Mindfulness Educator, as I navigate living my best life with the intention to educate and raise the collective consciousness around the benefits of living a mindful life. Each week via the Mindful Life Podcast, I will bring to you a range of content, including special guests that explore mindfulness, mindset and mental health are you feeling tired or are you under stress are you overloaded or just generally feeling overwhelmed well I'm really excited to share a very special stress reduction tool that I've been using and recommending to my clients for a number of years calm is the number one app for meditation relaxation and sleep With over 21 million downloads and achieving the Apple App of the Year in 2017, Calm is so perfectly aligned with all that I do as a mental health professional and all that I teach here at the Mindful Life Podcast. It is the perfect stress relief strategy and the perfect mindfulness tool. The app has so many fantastic and easy to use features, including Daily Calm, a brand new 10-minute meditation every day. 100-plus guided meditations covering anxiety, focus, gratitude, and so much more. 80-plus sleep stories to settle the mind and relax the body. Exclusive music tracks for focus, relaxation, and sleep. Calm Masterclass featuring world-renowned mindfulness experts. My personal favorites include sleep stories, and I've recently discovered Calm Music, which I have on a continuous loop at my practice, in counselling sessions and in classes. I also love the Calm Masterclass videos, which cover some fantastic topics including gratitude, happiness and mindful eating. And not to mention all the great features the app now offers for kids, including sleep stories, meditations and lullabies. I'm so very excited to be partnering with Calm to bring you, my listeners, some amazing offers. Calm is so generously offering the Mindful Life podcast listeners a free four-week subscription to the Calm premium app. All you need to do is head to the following link, calm.com forward slash calm health trial. That's calm.com forward slash calm health trial and just follow the prompts to enjoy your free four-week trial of calm premium you'll be feeling calm relaxed and at peace in no time the mindful life podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast was recorded We recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community and pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Please be advised that the content and the subject of today's episode may be distressing for some listeners. It deals with the subject of addiction and behaviours associated with problem substance use. Please exercise listener discretion and if you feel you may be upset or triggered by listening, you may want to consider whether this episode is suitable for you. Australian mental health support numbers, including alcohol and other drug support numbers, are listed in the show notes if you do require support or assistance. Hello and thanks for joining me for episode number 22 of the Mindful Life podcast. In today's episode, I talk about addiction The field of alcohol and other drugs is an area that I've worked in on and off for a number of years and I also have a special interest and passion for this very tough work as there is a history of addiction in my family of origin. When we strip it back most of us are addicted to something, something that gives us instant pleasure, relief or we may use it to mask or numb our pain or even to silence our inner demons. But sometimes addictions and their associated behaviours can lead us away from our purpose. Addictions can dominate our life and our daily functioning and impact our interpersonal relationships. It can be a long hard road for anyone struggling with an addiction and a tough road also for their family and their loved ones. It's challenging work but important work. This episode shares some of my insights and experiences in this field of practice And how I do the work of working with this very difficult to reach client group. Judgments must be put aside and unconditional positive regard becomes your guiding principle. Along with a determined never give up attitude and of course a sense of unwavering hope. So today, I thought I'd talk about addiction. Uh, Addiction is something that I'm quite passionate about. It's work that I've done on and off uh, for a number of years. um, And it's work that I actually enjoy. So there's many different types of addiction. But for the purpose of this podcast, I will be talking predominantly about problem substance use, that is, alcohol and other drug usage, or AOD for short, which is what problem alcohol and drug use is often referred to in the helping field. So I've been working on and off in the field of addictions for around 14 years. My first role straight out of uni was actually as a drug and alcohol counsellor in a community health setting. This was a pretty full on role, um, but I did enjoy it and I hit the ground running. It was great learning. I learned a lot about human behaviour and the dysfunctional ways that people mask and medicate their pain with substances. The subject of addiction also can be quite triggering for me uh, at times, as my mother had major addiction issues right throughout my childhood and into my teen years, which impacted me greatly. And my father, who I never lived with and didn't really know, was also a problem gambler. So when I do work with uh, clients who have addiction issues, I do need to look after myself, check in with myself, And just amp up my self-care. It can be interesting uh, looking at some of the clients that present themselves to me, the lessons that they teach me and it often feels like I'm coming full circle um, and learning so much from this work that I do along the way. I also later completed further studies to become a qualified AOD worker and in recent years I trained in gambling addiction work, uh, providing uh, gambling addiction support um, on the telephone lines so there's a lot of crossover and what we call in my field dual diagnosis which means that there are many people who have a mental health condition that self-medicate with substances and also many substance users who have mental health issues uh, so it can be a bit chicken and egg which come first the mental health issues or the substances So why are people addicted or why do they engage in addictive behaviours? I think most of us are addicted to something, whether it be something as simple as sugar, our phones or other devices, caffeine, nicotine, gambling, gaming, exercise, people or of course substances. Our addictions can give us pleasure, instant pleasure and it makes us feel good to engage in these addictive behaviours. And I guess it only becomes a problem when it becomes a problem. And that is when our addiction impacts our daily life or our functioning. We may start to see problems in our relationships or our health may start to suffer. Perhaps our performance at work is affected or we could be impacted financially. Uh, Or at worst, we may start to engage in uh, unethical or inappropriate behaviors or even criminal activity addictions can be used to numb the pain to dull our emotions and to limit the thinking mind addictions are often a way to escape reality and it's a way that people self-medicate and it feels good it's instant gratification but of course addiction uh it's short-term happiness if we can even call it happiness because it's really false happiness it's not real and there's a there's if you look at it in you know two terms the psychological addiction where we feel we need to engage in the addictive behavior or we can't function uh, without that behavior you know it doesn't feel good if we don't engage in that addictive behavior and then of course there's physical addiction where if we are not engaging in the behavior Uh, we start to feel some physical symptoms uh, of of withdrawal or craving and we can see that in simple addictions like sugar or caffeine. When we don't get our sugar hit or our caffeine hit, we may get a headache or we may get irritable. When we use addiction, um, we obviously get instant pleasure but then the simple things in life can hold little pleasure because we're so used to that high from the addictions. And addictions can be very selfish and insular as it's often a solo activity, so we often shut others out. In Buddhism they talk about suffering and how we all desire to eliminate suffering from our lives, but addiction is really the opposite of this. We are running towards our suffering, but we treat addiction as a tonic for suffering. We may feel it's helping us with our internal pain, but addiction is just a mask to cover the inner pain and the demons addiction can damage our relationships and addiction by its very nature promotes and encourages deception and it breaches trust those caught in the depths of addiction often lie about their use and are sometimes in denial and i think owning our addictions can be hard taking responsibility is a tough call and often blaming others is easier you know i'm engaging in these addictions because i've been through some difficult stuff in my life or this person treats me badly. Um, so owning you know, that dysfunction um, and the, the reasons why um, we are engaging in the addictions can be really difficult. Admitting there is a problem is a beginning but insight that is stating yes I have a problem is just the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot that needs to follow insight and a lot of work and a lot of action from the client needs to be done. So when clients do present to me with AOD issues or any kind of addiction, after the initial assessment, it can be helpful to explore the stages of change model with them. It usually puts things into perspective, and this is something that I quite often whiteboard with the client, and they can figure out exactly where they are at in the process of change. So the stages of change is as follows. Uh, The client may be in pre-contemplation where they really have no intention to change. They're enjoying their drug use. It gives them pleasure and they're sort of weighing it up. There's more positives to the drug use than negatives. They might then move into contemplation where they're still using their substances, but they have some opposing positive and negative views about their use. Uh, They might still be enjoying it, but they're starting to see that it's causing difficulties. It's impacting their life. Preparation, this is where the person has decided to change. They believe that their drug use is no longer serving them, um, and there's more negatives than positives, so they are moving uh, into that uh, getting ready to change. Action, this is where the person has actively begun to change their substance use behaviour. So they may be beginning to reduce their substance use and putting a plan into place to uh, stop, to move away from using their substances. And then there's maintenance and the maintenance can last for um, an extended period of time. This is where the client um, has stopped using and they're working on sustaining the change over a long period. And of course, uh, lapse and relapse are very common you know, during all of these stages and um, quite often in the maintenance stage as well, where people may have a slip up, uh, which is seen as a lapse or they may uh, resume problem use, which is considered a a relapse. So the model, um, I think, is really positive because it highlights that lapse and relapse are a normal and natural part of the stages of change. And I'll cite the reference for this model in the show notes. If you're interested, you can do a little bit more research and check it out. So my work is first and foremost client-centered. This means I always start where the client is at. Uh, In other words, for example, if a client comes to me and says, I really don't want to reduce my substance use, but I'd just like some support. I'll, of course, commit to working with the client non-judgmentally. My role here would be to provide some education and to take a harm minimization approach. Of course, it'd be the safest option for the client to cease or at the very least reduce their substance use but it's not my role to enforce this. Sometimes clients may be resistant to, to change or they may be ambivalent or just not ready so my support is always unconditional. All I ask is that the client not be intoxicated or substance affected in the session. So often it'll be two to three sessions before the client's ready to start to address, change or reduce their substance or alcohol usage. So what presentations do I see in my work? Mainly alcohol dependence. I do see a little bit of ice addiction. Um, I quite often see problem cannabis use. And more and more I'm seeing addictions to prescription medication and over-the-counter medications uh, as well, particularly in women. So I'm seeing women who are... um, I guess over medicating with these prescription medications and over-the-counter medications um, and using these medications to sedate themselves which can be quite dangerous at times and uh, so I guess then they become a client who is quite high risk. So how do I work with clients who have AOD issues? The approach that's recommended and generally used is known as motivational interviewing. And I really like this approach, as it sits perfectly with the principles of social work. And it really is the way I work with all my clients, particularly those who want to achieve any kind of change. So these principles are as follows. Express and show empathy towards the client. This is how rapport is built and engagement is developed, not to mention trust, of course. It's also accepted that the client may be ambivalent about change, or they may not be ready, particularly in the beginning. So it's about non-judgment and accepting the client where they're at, working with them um, around moving forward at their own pace. Support and develop discrepancy. So during motivational interviewing, the client sets some goals and gives reasons for changing their behaviour. They're then encouraged to make the link between their addictions or their behaviours and their actions and how these actions are preventing them from achieving their goals. So it's up to me to point this out, um, to point the gap out to the client between their behaviours and their goals to assist them to develop some discrepancy. Rolling with resistance. This is probably the most important part of the work that I do with AOD clients. So when the client resists changing their behaviour, it's not my role to challenge the client's resistance. I work with the client to get them to see different viewpoints and ways of thinking, doing and being. And I explore whether what they are doing is serving them and making them happy. Supporting self-efficacy. So encouraging the client and highlighting that they are capable of achieving the change they want. I spend time highlighting the client's successes, the things that they've done well and the things that they've achieved. We look at current or previous strengths and achievements um, and the skills that the client possesses are also discussed. So this increases the client's um, self-belief that they can change, they are capable of change because we reflect on what they've done well so far. For example, perhaps the client has held down a job for two years or they've been um, substance-free for a period of time. So we highlight those successes, that they've done these things well and they can achieve these goals so they can do this stuff again. Develop autonomy. Encourage the client to conceptualise that only they can do this. Only they can make the change. The change comes from within. I don't have a magic wand or any kind of magic formula to fix them the client is ultimately responsible for changing their own behaviour. So of course, this framework of working with clients, it is very helpful, and with it comes all the other important stuff like education and developing concrete strategies to assist the client to reduce or to abstain from their substances, depending on what their goal is. And along the way, we may start to address the underlying issues, uh, looking at what's driving the drug use, but often people aren't ready um, to do this work and I think unpacking why people are using substances can also upset the cart at times. Counselling is always about having a mirror held up uh, and the client has no choice but to look within, to look in that mirror and to explore their issues, to explore what's going on for them uh, internally and many people aren't ready to do this. Uh, even my clients who don't have addiction issues often aren't ready to do this and sometimes it's not appropriate to um, to explore this stuff particularly if clients have um, a trauma his- history it can be quite uh, painful and triggering to bring up some of that past stuff and it can actually um, you know exacerbate their use it can in-, in increase their use or it can send them into relapse so sometimes it's just more effective to teach the skills to move forward. In some cases, after a few sessions, the client may make the decision to go to detox or perhaps to undertake a home-based detox with the support of their GP. So it's at this time that the client's support needs are very high. There can be physical symptoms and the client can become quite unwell. The chance of relapse, of course, is really high around this time, as many can 't cope with the physical discomfort and the psychological discomfort the detoxing and letting go of old habits brings so counseling may continue during the detox period if the client's well enough, um, but it will more than um, more often than not resume um, after the detox. Um, the client will then begin to return again, and their support needs can be quite high during that time so they may have more frequent sessions just to to get them over those hurdles. So when working with AOD clients it's really important to put your own judgments aside, to put your own values aside. Um, You may not agree with a lot of the behaviours that the client is engaging in. The client may at times be behaving in ways that make you feel uncomfortable or disappointed and as hard as it is it's important to try and not take the client's behaviour personally. It's usually not About the therapist Uh, the client is quite often projecting their own stuff um, you know to the on those around them. I've had AOD clients lie to my face, verbally abuse me, engage in splitting behavior which is when the client attempts to turn other health professionals or even their own family members um, against you with lies Um, and I've also had clients walk out of sessions without paying so it is incredibly tough work and it is a really um challenging client group to work with. These clients often have little self-respect and at times they have little respect for those around them. It's really like playing with fire and it's a revolving door. You may see a client for a period of time uh, and they may appear to be doing really well and uh, there could be some good progress and then they disappear for a period you don't hear from them. And they then could return months later presenting um, five kilos lighter with more battle scars and more stories. So a lot of the time with AOD clients, it is one step forward and 10 steps back. But what I do know with these clients, particularly those on substances, um, illicit substances, is often little to no support. They've burnt every bridge, their partners, their parents, their kids, their friends, Um, you know, their work colleagues have often all left and often deservedly so because usually with addictions comes intolerable behaviours that hurt others, trust is broken, and it's also really hard for family and significant others to watch their loved ones deteriorate and to hit rock bottom and to be so often in crises. Some also have criminal matters pending or may just come may have just come out of jail. They may be unemployed or homeless. Um, they often have little to no money. And as I'm a business, I often have to refer on if the client can't pay for the session. Sometimes I'll just have to make sure that they're linked in with a bulk billing GP. And this is often a really good starting point. GPs do have really um, good skills in managing AOD clients and offering them sort of that minimal level of support. So I read somewhere recently that addictions are the opposite of freedom. And I think that statement is really spot on. Um, Addictions are like an internal prison um, that people find it really hard to break out of. And a wife of a male addict I was working with once said something that really stuck, um, stuck in my mind she said, the heroine is like the other woman in our relationship. And I think that was a really interesting and accurate analogy, this idea that um, her husband was in a relationship with his substance and it really just shut her out. So it's a really tough road for loved ones to travel um, when you know, the significant other is caught in the grips of addiction. So unfortunately, I don't see a lot of recovery when working with AOD clients and I usually see minimal progress in this tough work that I do. I do have one client uh, who is 11 years sober, so she hasn't had a drink for around 11 years. Uh, So that's a fantastic achievement and she still comes and checks in with me every month or every couple of months just to Um, you know, have a bit of a chat and just to see how she goes. She's going, but she reports that it's a daily struggle. She lives with um, managing her addiction every day, so it it will always be there. But this achievement, sadly, is a rarity. For most the battle, as I've just said, um, is daily and is lifelong, and it's a difficult road to travel. So, you know, there is no happy ending in this podcast story, sadly but I hope I can relay a message of hope. Uh, Sometimes it's all we have. You know, I do see successes. I do see people that overcome these demons. But I think even if the small progress, even if I get clients uh, thinking um, and working through some of the stuff and making some small changes, you know, that is a success. So we need to keep um, having hope in our dealings with AOD clients we need to keep working with these clients in the hope that they will change and we of course need to pr- approach this work with unconditional positive regard. I think that's the most important thing because many of these clients have had so many judgments uh, in their life. So as always for me it's, it's always about the therapeutic relationship, the support I can offer to these clients um, because you know they often don't have any support Even if they never get on top of their addiction, support and a listening ear can make a difference and it can at times help to keep a person alive. So I think the following quote really nails it and many people who have struggled with addiction would relate to these words by singer Demi Lovato, who herself has struggled with addiction throughout her life. This is what she had to say. One of the hardest things was learning that I was worth recovery. So, you know, as as Demi Lovato says, you know, feeling worthy of that recovery, I think, is a massive part of it for these clients. Their, their self-esteem and their self-worth is often so corroded. So if they can be built up to believe they're worthy of recovery. And look, if your addiction is causing you suffering, it is about believing that you you know, you're worthy of letting go of that suffering. So thanks for stopping by to listen to today's episode on addiction. It was a pretty tough one. It's a it's a tough subject and often a subject that carries a lot of shame for everyone involved. Um, So if you or someone you know or love is struggling with an addiction, please reach out. There is support out there for those addicted and for their family members who are impacted. I will put a list of AOD supports and resources in the show notes. It's incredibly... um, It's an incredibly tough road, so please don't go it alone. And if you have learned something today or found it helpful, please feel free to share this episode. You never know, it just might help or even enlighten someone else. And if you are listening via a podcast that allows you to leave a review, please consider leaving a few words uh, of encouragement and consider hitting those stars. And until next time, may you have peace in your thoughts and your hearts, and share it with others. If for any reason you have found the content of today's podcast triggering or distressing in any way, please consider accessing some professional support. Australian mental health telephone support numbers are listed in the show notes. You've been listening to the Mindful Life podcast with your host, Marianne Eve, Mental health social worker and mindfulness educator. If you'd like further information or you'd like to connect, feel free to make contact via Facebook or Instagram under the handle Mindful Life Podcast or via email mindfullifepodcastgmail.com.